Welcome to our newest adventure for first responder wellness. No one fights alone. In-depth conversations about mental health and culture in the first responder space. We're joined by your co-hosts, Austin Pedersen and Brad Shepard. Once again, we're bringing on some of the, some of the coolest people. The, uh, of course, we just finished one up that was powerful, powerful, amazing interview. And here we go again. We're going to bring another one up. Uh, and, and this one was one of our own. I feel like she's she's one of us. Well, she's she's the reason that probably 75% of these people are even listening to this podcast, to tell you the truth, because we were just a little podunk, had no idea what the fuck we were doing. <laughs> and uh, now here we are bringing some really cool guests on. So I'm excited to to bring Haley on and uh, let, her, let her give us a little bit of background about herself. But then also for those people that are listening that maybe want to do something like this or or want to get the word spread. She can help do that. Oh yeah, hundred percent. She's uh, she's smart. She's a former cop. She's now get, built her own business and is doing great. Uh, Haley Blank of Raid Media Management. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the No One Fights Alone podcast. Thanks. It's kind of like weird being on this end of things because I'm usually behind the camera and editing these videos and getting stuff out. So it's a little bit different being interviewed so i'm excited you know what this will make it super weird because you're going to start editing your own video for content Oof. right that's <laughs> fun right <laughs> it'll be all up to you now to see how well you actually market yourself we we know how well you market yeah. us now, now let's see how you do you no oh, yeah that's always that's exciting <laughs> well before we get into uh you know the business side uh there's a there's a piece of Haley that I think really sets the tone and the model for uh, why you work so hard and fundamentally understand this first responder culture. And I think, you know what, I think also we should give a shout out to Trevor, uh, Trevor Wilkins, the angry Viking. This is, how, this is the connect, right? I don't, I think we would be yeah. remiss in actually not giving him a nod and, and, and uh, that love that guy. He's amazing. So we should, and he's, obviously been on here before, had a great podcast. Uh, but Trevor actually connected us when, when uh, Austin was shopping around a little bit and said, Hey, you should, you should give her a look and man, what a successful uh, connection this has been. But for you as a business owner, there's something else that drives this, which is you have a uh, law enforcement background. Is that, is that right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Well, let's dive into that a little bit. Let's, let's talk a little bit about, uh, maybe who Haley was, how you got into that law enforcement. I mean, you're, you're, uh, you're a badass. So let's, let, how did you get, how did you get there? Kind of. <laughs> um, so I, I'm based in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, I've lived here since I was like 18. I went to the University of Kentucky. I had planned on going to law school. I think that was kind of more of a dream that my parents were kind of pushing me towards. I always kind of thought being a lawyer would be really cool and everything. And so we had to have an internship to graduate um, UK. So I was kind of looking around. I was like, what would be fun to do? I don't really want to do one in like a law office because that just seems like super boring. So I found one with the police department. So that was with the Lexington Police Department here in Kentucky. Um, I ended up going and doing, I think it was six months internship with them. Um, I did a lot in the 911 dispatch center. So that was kind of interesting to see 
like behind the scenes almost. And then I ended up going on a ride along, which I had never done before. Um, and that was super crazy. And I was like, screw being a lawyer. Like, I'm not doing that boring shit. I'm going to go be the police. So um, I ended up going to the jail here in Fayette County for about six months. I was still in their academy when I got the call from the police department. So I went to academy. The academy in Lexington is pretty intense. Um, you don't go somewhere and stay like some academies. You live at your own house and you go into the academy every single day. Um, and so that was about an eight month academy. Uh, super not easy. Uh, very difficult. Getting sprayed with OC was not my favorite thing. Um, and getting tased was terrifying. So those were kind of like the only things I really remember from that because I just feel like I blacked out for eight months and then they were like, oh, you're graduating. So um, so I did my FTOs with uh, three different officers for about 15 weeks and I just dove into it. I picked it up really quick. I mean, my first night on the street, driving, radio, arresting people. I was like, this is what I was born to do. This is it right here. Um, so I worked patrol for about five years and then I transitioned into our traffic unit. Um, in my patrol time, I worked second shift, first shift, third shift. I worked every single sector in the city. Um, I think the highlight of my career was uh, working third shift. So we worked third shift in, it's called the Valley. It's kind of a very rough area, drug ridden type of neighborhood. Um, so we would be making traffic stops like every night, taking calls, going to shots, fired calls. Some of these traffic stops we would make would transition into search warrants on houses like that night, like waking up a judge at 3 a.m. We rode bicycles around and like caught people doing drug deals. I mean, it was crazy. It was like the Wild West out there. So that was definitely a highlight. Um, and then when I went to the traffic unit, I ended up um, going through the motorcycle course to be a motor officer. I'd never ridden a bike before ever in my life, never touched one. So that was kind of terrifying, but like, I felt cool as shit. I was like, I'm like this female officer, like riding this thousand pound motorcycle. I was actually the second one in our entire department to do so. Um, so that was kind of a big achievement of mine. And um, I really thrived in that position and it was, I mean, it wasn't like easily earned or anything. It was a two week, 80 hour course where you're on a bike the whole 80 hours. I mean, you're picking this bike up, I don't know, a million times in those two weeks and doing all these crazy stunts. I mean, I could do everything and I picked that up quick as well. Um, and then I was about seven, like six and a half, seven years into my career and I started to experience some pretty heavy PTSD type symptoms. Um, I think it was, you know, I had seen my fair share of like bad shit, like dead bodies, um, you know, dead babies. Um, I did a prostitution sting where I dressed up as a prostitute and got to see the really rough side of things. Um, and then I had one call that I think 
kind of set it off for me, but I kind of ignored my PTSD symptoms. Um, we had this kid that was 18, broke up with his, or his girlfriend broke up with him or something like that, driving around the city, threatening to kill himself. His parents call in and they're like, hey, this is the situation. Um, we need, you know, we need assistance or whatever. So myself and a couple of my beat partners actually found the car that the kid was driving made a traffic stop on him. The second that we made the traffic stop on him, he shot himself in the head. So we're still kind of, we were treating it like an active scene. So we weren't just like rushing up to the car because we don't know what this kid's doing. So it was kind of a intense scenario for me. I had never really been on that side of things and we weren't really sure if he was deceased or not. Um, so I was negotiating with him on the PA for like 30 minutes until we could get our, um, we call them ERU for the SWAT team and our negotiators, which my, was my husband, that we weren't married yet, but he was coming to that scene to handle it. Um, so that kind of really fucked me up bad. Um, like I can even feel it like right now a little bit, but um, I got to a point where I physically could not put my uniform on. Like me putting on the uniform made it feel like somebody was like choking me out. Like it just was, it was, it was intense for me. And I started to call in, which was unlike me because I was always like first to roll call, first to any, any like hot call. I'm there first. Like I'm like one of the big leaders in our squad, like all that stuff. So people kind of started to notice that I wasn't at work. And um, I went to my sergeant and I was like, hey, I'm really struggling and I need some time. And so all they did for me, which I'm not knocking my police department, but they don't have it set how to take care of people that are experiencing that very well. So they gave me, I think it was like five visits to EAP. And I was like, I cannot unpack all of this in five visits. Like, I don't know how you expect me to do that. So that was kind of difficult. And the therapist I talked to just did not get it. Like, he was just, he was a nice guy, but I just don't think he was the right therapist for what I was dealing with. And I feel like I hear that so often. And it breaks my heart, like, knowing that, like, you know, I wasn't the only one that dealt with that. And I know there was other people. And I can't imagine just, like, struggling through a career that you know that you're just not dead set on anymore even though you thought that you were going to be there for 20-25 years um so that's kind of where I hit a wall and I ended up resigning in the fall of when was it 2021 I think and then I just like started this business of social media management so that's kind of my backstory of you know, my law enforcement career that I sometimes miss, but I don't miss enough to go back at all. Yeah. Well, can you tell us, I mean, did you have any idea what you were going to do when you resigned? Like, were you just kind of like, I'm so over this, I'll figure something out. Yeah, it was like that at first. So I worked at, um, we have a Harley Davidson dealership here in town. So I worked in the service department as a service writer for like six months, absolutely hated it. Like I just, it was just old dudes coming in and acting like they knew more than me and they didn't. And they didn't understand that like I had been around motorcycles because I don't really look like the type that's going to be on a motorcycle, especially those huge giant cruisers and stuff. Um, and then I ended up leaving 
Harley and I went to work part-time at a specialty pet store um, who I worked for back in college. So it was kind of like, I felt kind of lost, but at the same time I was growing my business while working an actual job. Um, and it was kind of, honestly, it was like kind of embarrassing that I was working these jobs, like not making a lot of money and not where I was before, where I felt like I had this big, um, you know, like S on my chest, like I'm unstoppable. People really respect me. And I went to feeling like I was like nothing. So it was definitely like a weird transition. Um, now I don't feel that way at all. So, you know, I've, I've turned it around and everything, but it definitely was challenging when I left. There wasn't like any, I don't know, there wasn't any like closure to that. I feel like that my department helped me out with, if anything, they kind of um, were not super helpful. Like my husband ended up turning in all of my gear for me because um, I was not getting treated the way that I should have been treated by people in that police department. And so when you did leave, you know, obviously you're talking about how you don't feel like you got the help that you need, which uh, unfortunately we hear that a lot, right? And you've added yeah. a ton where you you hear the same kind of thing. I mean, did you have to go look for your own resources and find something that worked for you? Or did you did you take a different route to where like, hey, you got some hobbies or something you enjoy doing to try and work through some of the stuff that you were going through? So I did like a combination of the two. I didn't go seek out therapy. Um, I did speak with my husband pretty often just because he was um, one of, he's recently retired from that police department, but he was one of the top negotiators for them. So he is very easy to talk to and obviously I trust him with like everything so it was nice to just sit down and be like a hundred percent myself and like not feel like I had to keep anything from him because he understood what I was going through because I know that he's experienced some of that as well um and then I kind of dove heavily into fitness um I built a home gym in my garage I'm in there all the time. Like I still am psycho about doing that stuff. Um, I just signed up for cycle bar classes, which are probably the most difficult classes I've ever done in my life. Um, but I kind of just kept my head down and I just really tried to focus on almost like becoming another person, but in like a good way, because I was, I was not doing well my past, like three years in my police career. I mean, I was like self-medicating with alcohol. Um, I had a prescription for trazodone that I was taking pretty often just to like, you know, push the feelings from here, like down. You were just like, I cannot deal with this. So, um, you know, I kind of took a step back and I really looked at my health as a whole. And I weighed like probably like, I don't know, 140 pounds and I'm like 5'10 like there's no business for me to weigh 140 so I had lost like a ton of weight and just was in a really shitty spot so this transition of what you're going through th this stage this totality of who you are I think you you've made a great description of of where you are physically where your mindset is uh but to dive in a little deeper this is this is trauma vomiting up and resurrecting itself and Along with that, I'm, I don't, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but you're, you're feeling 
is shame an adequate word? I mean, you're talking about you're working at a pet yeah. store now that, uh, you know, like $15 an hour, like, right, nothing. right. So. so, so how difficult was that when you're, you're searching, you're, you're clearly at this stage of your life searching for what the, what the fuck, like what, yeah. what's next, yes. right? Walk us through a little bit exactly. about that, how you, how you came out of that and, and then, and then take us into, uh, raid media. Sure. So, um, so like I said, I worked at Harley Davidson for a little while hated it management there is just not great in my opinion um so i left and then i called up um the owner of this pet store where we still get our pet food from and everything love them they're great and i was like hey i need a favor i'm looking for some type of job i don't care if it's part-time i just need like a little bit of money to just keep like just to pay the bills and so she was like, actually, I just had somebody, um, you know, put in their resignation. So if you want to start in like a week. So I was like, hell yes. Like I'm done with Harley. Like I'm, I'm done. I'm done with them. So I went to the pet store and it was just kind of weird. Like, you know, I'm in my thirties now and I worked there back when I was like 1920. So it was like, just weird to be back because nothing changed at all. And so it was a little demeaning not anything on their end, but just for me, like internally, I was like, I'm making like maybe $300 a week. And I'm like, pretty, I'm struggling pretty hard. And like, my husband makes pretty good amount of money, but he was working extra overtime just to make sure that we were okay. Um, so that was always kind of scary. Cause you know, it's, it falls back on you. Like you're responsible for your own life. And I wasn't gonna reach out to anybody to get help financially or anything like that. Um, Cause that's just not I, like, I'll just figure it out. I'll do whatever I need to do to figure it out. Um, so I worked there for, when did I start? Like February of 2022, I want to say. And I worked there through, I think like that following summer. And then I ended up being able to leave because my business was self-sufficient for the most part. Um, so I had started Raid Media Management in October of 2021, the same month that I left the police department. My first client was a really good buddy of mine. He owns a tactical gear company. It's pretty small scale. Um, we were able to build him up pretty heavily over the past year or so. Um, Defiant Tactical, they're great, love them. Um, but they... He also is kind of in the same boat as me. He's a police officer. We went to academy together. Um, and he was like, I can't pay you a lot, but I'll be your guinea pig and you can do whatever you want with my stuff. So I was like, this is great because I don't, you know, at first I didn't really know what I was doing as a social media manager. I mean, yeah, like making the posts and the captions and all that stuff. Um, but there's a whole science behind it. So at the same time as I'm running his stuff is when I'm self-teaching through courses, whether it's free, um, I paid some money to be able to take some higher end courses. So it was nice to kind of have that guinea pig client where it was a kind of a free for all, like test things out, see what works, see what doesn't work. And then um, my second client was actually the pet store that I was working at. and so. I went to the owner and I was like, hey, I'm starting this business. 
if you, you know, I know that you're not super active on social media. Plus she has like two small kids. Like it's a lot for her. And so she's like, yeah, I just don't have time. And so I was like, cool, let's figure something out. So she was kind of my second client that I took on. Um, and a big trend you'll see as I describe some of my clientele is they come to me and they're like, I don't have the time. Like I cannot make time because I am doing this business. And then I just, I, I still have to have a life. I mean, outside of working, like you have to be doing something like everyone's got their family or just, you know, time with yourself. So a lot of times there's just not extra time to do that social media presence because it is something that you have to be super consistent with. And on top of just the posts is researching things within your niche that you need to be doing, what's your competition doing. Um, another big thing is knowing when you should be posting. And then a whole other thing is getting your content. So they say that, um, and I don't know who they is, but it's on the internet. So <laughs> they say that you should be spending between like six and 15 hours a week on your social media. Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're exactly right. I think we came to you with that exact same thing. I'm like, I can't do this. Like it just doesn't, no. it takes, it takes a ton of time, but then you end up just going in the wrong direction and just doing kind of whatever. And it just never works. And then you're like, well, why am I wasting my time doing this? And you just stop. Yeah. And then you're like, why am I, why am I working so hard to do something that's not working? Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate your viewpoint and having these conversations. Cause I learn every time I talk to you as well, we don't know what we're doing. I mean, this is, this seems so foreign to understand, uh, especially you know, when you start talking about the analytics that you pull up, I, this, this just seems it's, it's fascinating, but at the same time, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm overloaded. I want no business in it. I mean, this is you and Austin talk the same language a lot because Austin geeks out a little bit on some of this analytic stuff. And I'm like, man, just, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, like if I have somebody like Haley running my stuff. I don't think I've ever had to email Haley one thing and been like, are you doing this? Are you doing that? Are you, are you doing your proper research? Cause I look at it. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty good. All right. Next on to the next thing. Right. Like that's, yeah. that's what you need, which is we actually had somebody before prior and it just, it didn't work out, you know, cause you had every yeah. other day you're like, this isn't us. This isn't actually our brand. This isn't what we do. This isn't what we're trying to message. And especially when you're in the mental health space, which I think you've really formed a great niche with, with us. I know Trevor's a client too, as well. Um, in understanding what it actually is and understanding mental health and understanding what message you're trying to convey to first responders, to anyone uh, about what healing is, what the process is. And it's exactly. just, it's really impressive. And I know that you didn't have that background, which means you went and learned to make sure that you could be that person for the clients, yeah, for which sure. is just it's rare. It's rare. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and there's not, there's just not really any social media managers or even sometimes marketing you can include as well that have that first responder background. So I feel like I can market that pretty heavily towards groups that are in that niche. Um, you know, I do have clientele that has nothing to do with the police or first responders. Um, but that's where it kind of comes in where 
I feel like I have picked up clients that are involved in something that I enjoy. So to me, it doesn't really feel like work, you know? So it's, you know, it's, and it's, it's been crazy. Like now I have someone doing my SEO and now I've had like this morning, I had two discovery calls with people I don't even know. So it's like something's working where, and I'm not an SEO person at all. I don't mess with that stuff. And so something's working and then it's just, you know, it's explaining to these people like, hey, what are your pain points with your social media? Um, you know, today it was, well, I haven't posted since last year. So, you know, it's like, obviously you don't have time. And she's like, my business is so busy, but I just don't have the time. So again, it's that time. It's what is your time worth to you? And yes, it does cost money. And I've been able to um, like increase my prices as my experience has grown, um, which is pretty typical with a social media manager or marketing agency or anything like that. But it's just, you know, it's finding that clientele that is struggling from a social media standpoint. And I'm a firm believer that social media is here to stay. A lot of us are not even really even going to Google for things anymore. It's more like, I'm going to research something on what's this business look like on Instagram or are they active on TikTok? Do they have, you know, photos of their products or their services? Like what is this business doing on the social media platforms? So that's, it's a big proponent for pretty much every single business. I want to talk to you a little bit about, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're incredibly brave to venture out and start um, a business uh, is is it fair to say you started this business fairly blind? I mean, you just kicked it up and said, "I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. see if we can pull this off, and see if we can grow wings and fly." What walk yeah. walk us through a little bit of the business mindset of and challenges of of your your journey there. So I saw a lot of people online, like you know, on TikTok or Instagram or whatever, being like. I'm a social media manager. Here's a day in my life. Here's what I offer my clients, that kind of thing. And I was like, this was probably, I was still the police when I had started seeing this stuff on TikTok and Instagram. And I was like, that's kind of interesting. Like, what what do you have to do? Because I don't have a marketing background at all. Um, I mean, I know how to talk to people and that comes from being the police. You know, you talk to, you know, freaking 15 different people a day in your ship. So like, I know how to talk to people and I know how to like explain things and I know how to present a solution to a problem. And for me, I was like, I need to find something where I can still solve something for someone. So it was like, well, what am I going to do? Because I don't really want to go get a nine to five. I don't really want to have a boss. I don't really want to like leave the house. So that was still, I was still kind of in that mindset of, I need to be a hermit crab and I need to, you know, stay away from the outside because it was like still kind of that rough PTSD time for me where I was like terrified of everything, which was super unlike me. And, you know, even now, like when I look back on that time, it's like, I can't believe that I was in that moment of my life. Like, it feels like almost like an out-of-body experience. So, um, you know, 
I started just diving in and doing my research and I was like, well, all these girls are talking about that are social media managers are talking about like, I work from the house. I work 20, 25 hours a week, which I actually work like more like 40, 50 hours a week because I'm a psycho, but, <laughs> but you know, and so I was like, well, how do you do that? Like, I want to be, that's what I want to do. So I reached out to this one girl who was super active on social media. And I was like, do you have like a course I can take? Or are you doing like mentorships or something like that? And she was like, I'm actually getting ready to release a course in the next couple of weeks. And it wasn't super cheap, but it was super valuable. So she went through and she talked about, um, you know, building your personal brand because you have to have that if you're going to be a social media manager because people are going to be like, why should I hire you if you don't have any social media presence? Like, what is the point? And she went through like how to set up your LLC, how to set up, you know, the businessy side of things, which is not super clear on the internet at all because she had already done it. And she went through how to get clients, how to cold call or cold email or DM different people. Um, just like different things that I knew that I needed to know, but I didn't know how to get my brain wrapped around that to understand it because it's a whole different career compared to what I had been doing. Um, you know, I was so comfortable being the police. I was, I, you know, I'll go to any crazy call. Like I want to be the first one there because I want to dive headfirst into whatever shit shows going on. So it was just different to kind of take a step back and be like, okay, you're not Billy Badass anymore. You need to like calm down and, and really like teach yourself this new skill. And plus I had that driving factor behind me where it was like, you need to figure this out because you know that you can make money from this, which money isn't always, you know, the driving factor, but it was for me at the time because I was like, I'm not making any money right now. So, you know, it just, it just was a different mindset for me where I was like, I have to do this. Like there is no other option and I don't really want there to be another option. Like I said, I don't want to go work in someone's office for someone else. I want to build my own business and, you know, maybe in the next five to 10 years, I'll have an entire social media agency. So, you know, it was that, it was just that mindset. And I think it falls back to being the police where it was like, fight or flight. And I never flew away from anything. I was like, let's fight this out. Let's figure it out because this is what I want to do. I feel like there's a, there's a piece of that with working in law enforcement that gave you a confidence in not necessarily, you know, um, understanding that this was going to work no matter what, but it was more of like, you can do this. Right. And like the, you learn some skills marketing. I mean, technically that's both Brad and I's job. All Brad does is talk to people. I mean, they don't yeah. like it, but he, but he still does it anyway. You're going to talk but, to me, you know? Yeah. It's one of those things where, you know, I, I think that that background allows you to do something else. Cause you learned how to talk to people. You learn how you learn people skills, which is a huge thing. But also for those people that are listening, like if, if there are people that want to leave their job as a police officer, as a firefighter, whatever it may be, you're a prime example that you don't have to be stuck in that. Like if, if it's no longer serving you to work in that field, then, you know, 
you can do anything, right? Like you can go to be a Haley and, and do, you know, social media, you know, content and everything, which I will say again, you do an amazing job of. Mm-hmm. And I'm Thanks. so Thank extremely you. impressed. Brad, sure. what do you think? I think, so let's kind of, kind of wrap it up, Haley. I, I commend you on this because uh, you, you've, you've done something great uh, for your own life, for those around you, for your husband, for your family, for your dog family. I know you're a big dog family lover. Uh, and, and I think you've sent a great message to this, to our listeners about, uh, taking a bold step out there and being successful. And it is scary. Uh, but if, if somebody wants to find, uh, Haley raid media, how do they, how do they go about finding raid media? Give it, here's your, here's your opportunity to shameless plug. Tell us all the, Here we go. The elevator speech (laughs) of Raid Media Management. Okay. So Raid Media Management is a one-stop shop for all things social media um, because your social media probably sucks. So you need somebody like me to take away that headache for you. Um, Like I said, you should be spending between six and 15 hours a week on your social media. And I know nobody is doing that except for me. So um, the easiest way to find me is my website, which is raidmediamanagement.com. Um, the easiest way to get in touch with me is on that website, sign up for a discovery call. Um, I'm also offering free social media audits so you can kind of understand what you need to be doing, what you're not doing, what needs to be improved, just to kind of give you that nice baseline. And then if it's something where you're like, I would rather have somebody do this for me, that's when we start talking about, you know, do you want me to do full service social media? Do you want me to provide you with just the blueprint of a social media strategy? Um, So there's a couple of different options uh, dependent on what your budget is, which is also a concern of some people. Um, But yeah, so my website, discovery call, and we can chat about whatever you need. Here's, here's my shameless plug for it, which is as, as every, I think marketing director wants is they want to be able to hire someone and then let them do their job and not have to get involved. Uh, and that's, yes. that's what I feel like our relationships, both, both with the podcast, you are also the media manager of Chateau. I mean, it is amazing to not have to worry or be involved at all. You just hand it over yep. and, and let you do the work. And so that, that is extremely rare. So, if anyone's listening, first responder, non-company, what, whatever it may be, uh, you're a great option. And I think on a personal note, I would echo that and just say on a personal note, uh, it's so easy and pleasant to work with. It's not, it's, it's, it's open conversations. Here's the challenges. Here we want to go. Uh, and I know this is kind of slobbering all over Haley right now, but the reality is it is simple. It is so such an easy conversation. Uh, and, and to Austin's point, there's okay, I'll take it and run with it. And we don't have to worry about it yeah. again. It is, it is, you're a true blessing, Thanks. Haley, and you're doing great. Thank you for coming on here. Thank you for uh, blessing us. You are a true badass. We really appreciate what you're doing. Thanks guys. I appreciate it. Chateau Recovery is a 16 bed treatment facility nestled in the foothills of the Wasatch Mountains in Midway, Utah. Chateau's First Responder Resiliency Program is designed to treat the unique challenges and issues that first responders encounter in the course of their careers. 
Chateau's comprehensive and highly individualized approach to treatment addresses more than just the presenting issues. It addresses the why. Each of their seasoned, trauma-trained, and culturally competent therapists utilize evidence-based, specialized therapies to treat trauma at its core and enable clients to begin the healing process while developing a resilient and healthy relationship with stress. Chateau Recovery is trusted by departments and agencies from around the country to treat responders and veterans. In fact, it is one of only a handful of facilities nationwide that is vetted and approved to treat members of the Fraternal Order of Police. For more information, or to speak to a representative, go to chateaurecovery.com or call 888-507-5031. No One Fights Alone is also sponsored by First Responder Trauma Counselors. First Responder Trauma Counselors are subject matter experts in proactive behavioral health care for frontline workers through their National Peer Support Academy. This 40-hour all-badges, all-uniforms, and all-scrubs educational experience helps to create caring, honest, and empathetic peer support relationships with your fellow frontline workers. The FRTC National Peer Support Academy is taught by actual first responders who have gone back to school to become culturally competent, licensed behavioral health clinicians that teach from lived experiences, not just theories from books. This fast-paced, immersive educational academy will not just change your life, it will help you save the lives of others. For additional details, visit 991overwatch.org or call 970-222-419-3. This could be the most life-changing academy you'll ever attend.